Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, broadcasting not live this time, but still deep behind enemy lines in beautiful, sunny Puerto Vallarta, trying to figure out how to get back to Chicago the most efficient, economical way for hopefully the last time ever. (laughs) But I doubt it. I think I got a couple weddings coming up. Unfortunately, some of my friends have decided to turn their dicks in and back with me as usual is Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. I had to um, extend that intro because he's been stuffing his face. He just woke up. How did I do? (laughs) Yeah, pretty good. uh, So so did you take some uh, some pointers from Mikhail Thorpe and you're going to just fully expat and become a Mexican? I don't know if I'll become a, a Mexican uh, resident. I got to look. I wouldn't mind having some property here, but the, you know, the prices here are crazy. I mean, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to afford something with what I'm taking from this sale in the U.S. in this area in PV. Like it's, you're, you're talking for like a two bedroom, two bath kind of place, like probably four to 600,000, depending on the location, US, and you don't finance it here. You have to have the whole fucking nut up front. Um, or you get financing in the US and then do it. But so I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do or where I will end up yet. I'm going to be in probably, Mexico for the rest of this year. And then we'll see what happens. You could probably move out into the sticks and, and buy you a big piece of big piece of property in the middle of nowhere for pretty cheap and just start you a dude ranch. That's true. I could do that. Uh, <laughs> or you can, you know, you can get in on the ground floor pre-construction on some of these things and you can get something for like a couple hundred thousand that will end up being really nice and you can flip it assuming they, they finish the property, but man, those things can drag on for years and it's just, it's kind of risky. I don't know if I want to tie up that kind of capital for, for that amount of time so yeah i'm just gonna keep my my head on a swivel for an opportunity i think and finish out the rest of this year in mexico and we'll kind of go from there yeah tell you what these flights as i was telling you before we started recording are absolutely ridiculous i'm really starting to get stressed out about it because <laughs> it you know i still don't we're still going through like the whole attorney review thing so like i'll oh, wait till that's done to buy your flight and i'm just like eh. the longer i wait the more these are going up we're already looking at like somewhere around a thousand dollars for a decent flight round trip to chicago from here which is just insane i mean i i'm old enough to remember where i could do it for 189 dollars round trip direct 
See, all the things you were talking about before we started with the uh, having to, like, for the cheap flight, having to leave at, like, 1 a.m. and having a five-hour layover and stuff like that, that's that's all stuff I actually look for in flights whenever I fly, but I'm, I'm one of those weird people that hold strange hours, and, and, and I'm also very Southern, so if I'm going somewhere, like, I like to take my time, like, I like a good, I like a, like a minimum <laughs> two-and-a-half-hour layover, so when I get to the, to the stop, I can get out, stretch my legs, go find like the a bar or somewhere that I can get some food, sit down, relax for a little while before the next flight. Like <clears throat> I had one yeah. flight that it was it was an immediate connecting flight, no uh no time to sit. And I got off the plane and literally sprinted across fucking Dallas yeah. Fort Worth to get to my other flight. It was like that was that was miserable. Yeah, that that does suck. I've been there as well. And I don't like the short ones and I don't like the really long ones. Something in between, you know, like Three hours is okay. I mean, that's that's fine, especially if they have a, an airport lounge that I can get into. Five is pushing it, though. <laughs> Five each way. It's like, ah, I'm fucking like it stops in Guadalajara, which is like, a, you know, it's like less than an hour flight away. And I got to sit there for five hours and 15 minutes just waiting <laughs> to get back. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. And I'm open to the, those kinds of flights as well, because I'd rather not drop a grand to get back and deal with all this um, furniture and the closing and everything. But you, if I don't, you know, you're you're maybe saving like 300 bucks to have like kind of a miserable like 10 hours of travel each way. And on the way back, um, yeah, the flight on the way back leaves it like the one I was looking at leaves it like 145 in the morning. Which, you know, that's early enough that it's actually not that big a deal because you just go to the airport at like 11, 1130 or something like that. But man, not looking forward to this. And then I got to just don't know how much time it's going to take to uh, pack. If anybody needs any furniture or anything, hit me up. I got tables. I got shelves. I got art deco mirrors, beds, dressers, patio furniture. I'll bring you the truck up and just back it up to the front door of the building whatever you don't want throw it in the back might have to do that I, I otherwise i'm gonna i have a feeling that i'm gonna end up just like leaving shit in the alley for for people to take and that would be a shame i mean it wouldn't be a shame but it's like oh, some of the stuff is really nice and i'd like it to find a, a, a decent home not get picked up by like some fucking homeless guy <laughs> but uh that homeless guy needs a good couch to sleep on yeah Actually, the guy, the the buyer's taking the couch and and one of the TVs, so that's nice. But I was hoping he was going to take some more stuff, and I guess he just decided against it. So, yeah. Anyway, Craigslist is a complete disaster as well. For anybody wondering, it, Facebook Marketplace isn't much better. Isn't yeah, shit. I was like, maybe I should try that out. I mean, I've sold quite a bit of stuff on Facebook Marketplace, but. For every one serious potential buyer you get, you get at least five like scam. Yeah. Hey, can I send you a traveler's check? <laughs> sure, but you're not getting the fucking furniture. <laughs> if you give me your PayPal information, I'll uh, like, uh no. Oh, it was just cash. yeah. Well, the the funniest part about it was like I posted like you know like eight or nine different things. And I did different, but like, I don't know if you can combine this all into one thing because I don't know how any of this shit works. So I just did like nine or 10 separate Craigslist postings for things. And then I just get inundated. And it's like the same, 
thing, but it's the same fucking guy or the same scam artist with uh, a different name, but the same email address and the exact same email. Hey, is it, are you the original owner? I'd like to pick it up. And then if I responded to that, he'd be like, some long story about how he, you know, he's really busy this week and his daughter's getting married or blah, blah. Like he had like eight or nine different stories that he came up with and why, as to why he needed to send me a traveler's check <laughs> or a cashier's check and have like movers come and pick it up or something. Anyway, that's what I've been doing the last couple of days. Um, and I really, really just don't want to go back there and leave a week of my life here. Wasted in Chicago just to deal with all this stuff, but gonna I miss, sent you some. Gonna miss all the uh, gonna miss all the beach honeys and the whales and everything. Yeah, I'll probably miss the tit like the last week or so of whale season, and then yeah, spring break. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" <laughs> I'm like almost forty. I'm gonna miss spring break. <laughs> oh God. Must be nice. Must yeah, be nice. it is. It's been a, a very nice run, I must say. Um, I just, I hate everything about this process. I can't wait to be done. And the idea of buying something else just sounds absolutely miserable to me. Yeah, <laughs> I we're. Uh... I hate realtors. I hate lawyers. I hate moving stuff. Ugh, it's all just awful. Yeah, we're. We've got. <clears throat> We've got uh, renters in our old house, and whenever they move out, I'm going to just go ahead and sell it. And I don't think I'm going to do it through a realtor this time. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to list it and sell it like as is. Either either you want it or you don't. I'm not, I'm not fucking with any of the dumb shit. Like I'm, I'm going to drop my price quite a bit and just try to get out from it because I'm, I could, I could keep renting it or I could probably sell it for. I can sell it for quite a bit more than what I intend to, but I just want to get, I just want to be done. Like I'm ready to move or I, well, I mean, you know, we've already moved, but I'm ready to move on. Like I'm not going back there and I don't want to deal with the, the current renters are awesome because they're friends and I don't have to deal with them. Like they paid, they paid a year, they paid a year rent up front and they leave us alone. Yeah. They, they, they take care of shit. Like I don't want to get a bad renter that wants me to come down there like every other day for some dumb bullshit because I don't know. The, the, you get a little bit of water in the basement when it rains or something like welcome to having a basement uh, you know i don't want to deal with some shit welcome so to they, hillbilly land yeah <laughs> so i think i'm just gonna sell it and use that to water it. your lawn <laughs> but it'll be pretty cool because even at what i'm even at the selling point i'm going for we'll be able to pay pay the mortgage off on that and pay all of this property off so we after we sell it we have no debt and then I can really, really drop off the grid. You know, never see me again. <laughs> That's good. Oh, by the way, uh, I'll tell you, remind me to tell you after the show, because we got to get into it. This is a pretty long wind up. <laughs> I don't think anybody gives a shit about what we've been talking about. <laughs> Put it in the show notes. Just fast forward to minute 25. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to to start What uh, what we should start with. Start with uh, James Lindsay getting outed at uh, or ousted, sorry at uh, no James O'Keefe, James O'Keefe, at Project Veritas, Veritas, sorry, yeah, too many Jameses. Yeah, so we heard about that like last week, right? There was kind of whispers of this this happening, and we 
didn't really know what the story was. It sounded, you know, usually when something like that happens, you're like, oh, okay. Did he, was he like sexually harassing somebody or did he get caught going to Epstein's Island or something like that? Doesn't look like that's the case at all. Um, I don't know if you want to pull up that, uh, that clip where he was actually addressing it, but it's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, just go ahead and roll it. There were tactical disagreements about the boldness of approaches soliciting donations. I was told, and I'm paraphrasing, by asking for X dollars right now, you will prevent 10X dollars down the road. That advice ran contrary to everything I knew to be true in my 13 years of fundraising. Um, but that conflict was even more fundamental and essentially boiled down to this. And my vision, I'm going to paraphrase Howard Rourke, the architect, quote, I don't have I don't build in order to have donors. I have donors in order to build. That's what I believed. And I felt like we had a conflict of visions. We measure our success in terms of what we produce, not just in terms of our wallets. That was a pretty fundamental. The day prior, I informed him in front of his colleagues that he, if he wasn't willing to follow my lead, he'd be shown the door. I tried to deal with it privately, but I was unsuccessful, and the disagreement boiled over publicly in a staff meeting. The next day, this individual refused to resign, so I fired him. Later that same day, that's Feb Thursday, February 2nd, a few days after the 50 million views Pfizer videos, I was informed by a different officer of Project Veritas that he would go to the board in a few hours from that moment and have an emergency vote to restructure this company, receiving an agenda in my email while I was sitting on an airplane tarmac with the doors closing. The, the meeting was scheduled for the moment that my plane landed in Nashville. It became clear to me in that moment I would be removed from my position at Project Veritas by the time I landed at my destination. So. Our mission continues on. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name, and it may be no longer called Veritas, Project Veritas. I'll meet a bunch of people around me, and I'll make sure I'll make sure you know how to find me. So with that, I'm going to collect my things. I'm going to load them in my car. And I hope to see some of you soon. Like that's gonna be how I leave Chicago. <laughs> uh, okay, first of all, it's kind of a really awkward video. Like I don't understand why he has to read that like off of a script or something, and he keeps looking in different directions. But um, basically, what's interesting about this is it comes right on the heels of him exposing Pfizer, which we talked about. I don't know, maybe like a week or two probably two weeks ago uh, mm -hmm. on this podcast where they uh, they had the undercover um, date, the grinder date. <laughs> and and that guy just basically admitted that Pfizer has been like creating viruses in order to make vaccines for them, <laughs> essentially. And apparently it's got 50 million views, like from all over the world. The, this video has really gone fucking viral. And he got he stepped on the wrong toes and it's pretty it's pretty interesting i don't know if you think that it's pfizer 
that was putting the screws to this or if it was somebody in government that got to his his board. Somebody got to somebody, though. I think. So this is the conspiracy theorist in me, but I think anytime you have something like this, like a Project Veritas or anything that has the potential to blow the lid on shit that people don't want going or getting out there, they're going to find a way to infiltrate that organization and put people in place. I mean, that's it's it's what it's literally what these agencies do. They they infiltrate and put people in to keep an eye on things and report back what's going on. Like it's why if you're going to have an organization like that, it has to be incredibly decentralized. Nobody, you know, moving pieces can't know what others are doing. Uh, And I'm sure there was a, a an extent to which that was true with Project Veritas, which is probably why they got to run a Pfizer piece to be a uh, Pfizer hit piece to begin with. And then, but then, you know, as soon as that comes out, all of this to follow is just incredibly suspicious looking. Like you can't, it, you don't even have to be a big conspiracy theorist to, uh, to look at this and be like, man, they, they go after Pfizer hard like that. And then almost immediately the board like flips on him and is trying to take him out. Ooh. Yeah, like the founder, creator, the the guy that is the face of Project Veritas. Like, we don't know what anybody else, I don't know if I, I can't name anybody else that works at Project Veritas. We have no idea what anybody else really looks like. And yeah, they're just going to get rid of him. I mean, he's the only reason that apparently that people were donating to this. I mean, like, there's all, all these people um, are posting on Twitter, you know, these organizations that donated to Project Veritas. And I, I last I heard, they lost like 130,000 donors or something like that. Since after, they, since since this, they, uh, since they ousted him. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much each one of those donors was giving, but, you know, that's that's a substantial um, donor base to to sacrifice for whatever this cause is. It's it's weird because, you know, Pfizer, I think the government looks worse than Pfizer does in this in this case, almost because they are the biggest customer for Pfizer as far as these vaccines. Like they have all these government contracts. They got billions of dollars in taxpayer money. Uh, They were shielded from liability. Uh, So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if. It turns out that there's, um, you know, like we're seeing in these Twitter files coming out now, like, oh, some fucking congressman was leaning on somebody to uh, get him ousted from this, from Project Veritas. Yeah, it just seems too, too convenient uh, to nothing. Nothing is coincidental these days. No. Yeah. And I mean, they're they're probably going to lose. I, I mean, I don't even know how you keep Project Veritas without him. <laughs> You know what I mean? One, you know, he talks about starting something new. Hopefully he he's going to fundraise. He's going to be able to start something new. He's not going to have a problem with that. There are going to be people within Project Veritas who are who were there because of him and are going to be mad because the board did that. And as soon as he does start something new, they're going to jump ship and go do that. There are going to be donors that are going to as soon as he starts something, whatever it is, they're going to send money to it. They're going to they're going to support that. Like he'll be fine, and whatever he starts next is probably going to be 
fine as well. And hopefully it'll be better. Like hopefully he learned something from this. I, you see this all the time with organizations that do stuff like this, where you end up with a board that goes woke or something like that. Like, I think people go into these types of things with a really idealistic view of like, yeah, I'm going to recruit the people who agree with me on everything and we're going to do all of this really good stuff. And then you see them end up getting taken down from within because uh, they let the wrong people in. Like gatekeeping is an important thing in society. Even the gate, even though that's a, you know, that's a dirty word. It's especially if you're running a, you know, a tight organization where you're going to be going after some of the, big names and the big like power brokers in government and society you better have a really tight ship and you know really watch who you let in and yeah. hopefully with the next thing he won't have a board or any dumb bullshit like that he'll just be like this is what we're gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna run this thing the way i want to and and do it yeah yeah it takes it takes some stones to do what he's been doing to go after something somebody like Pfizer I mean that's you are risking your life people have been killed for a lot worse or for a lot less I should say um, and then you look at the complaints that are coming from the the people at, that ousted him at Project Veritas and it's like oh like he was me like he was too aggressive or something as a boss and he like wasted funds on there was some flight that I guess he took or they're claiming he took, I don't, it sounded like complete bullshit to me, but he like misappropriated funds to go see a donor or like get his boat fixed, something along those lines. I just don't believe it. It just doesn't sound like uh, something that he would do. Like, why would you need to do that? Charter a private, a private jet with um, donation funds to go meet some guy. Like, I don't know. It, it sounded like a bunch of trumped up charges that they were just trying to find something to justify ousting him right after he breaks, like literally the biggest fucking story. Um, what? Yeah, probably the one of the biggest scandals ever and by far the biggest Project Veritas story. So like he, he basically won the Project Veritas, uh, you know, journalism Super Bowl and then they fucking get rid of him because they didn't like the way he was coaching. It's just like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. All right. What do you want to bounce to after that? Um, let's let's talk a little um, national divorce, because that seems uh, to be really getting a lot of people riled up on Twitter. Yes, and there have been some, uh, I've actually seen some, like, polls and different stuff that have come out about that and uh, seems to be something that is on the minds of a lot of people these, these days so marjorie taylor green kicked this off and it's not even the first time like i don't under i think you know she's basically the the aoc to the left <laughs> like they can't fucking stand this woman so and whatever she says is going to be apocalyptic but do you remember, like, National Divorce was, like, trending a year ago or something, wasn't it? Like, right after, um, I forget exactly what the catalyst was. But I remember, like, there was a, uh, the, who's that, that chick that was married to Jimmy Kimmel? The comedian. Sarah, Sarah Silverman. Silverman. Yeah. She posted, like, a TikTok video about it or something like that, where she was, like, yeah. talking about a national divorce and, like, 
none of these people seem to care about about it then. But I guess because Marjorie Taylor Greene is uh, a member of the government, you're not allowed to say this. It's treasonous. I just people who consider that treasonous obviously don't know anything about our country's founding for one. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and this is all Marjorie Taylor Greene said. It wasn't anything like crazy or outlandish she said we need a national force we need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government everyone i talk to says this from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the democrats traitorous america last policies we are done yeah and then there are people saying are you calling for civil war and blah 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 it's like god y'all are fucking retarded no that's yeah so the responses to this are so frustrating to see like how programmed people are to respond to this like the first thing is like oh yeah it's got to be a violent divorce of course we have to go to war over this the the only people who are the only people who are proposing war the ones on the left like the party of peace all that yeah it, it just doesn't make any sense like they're the ones that are basically calling the marjorie taylor greens of the world uh, these awful white supremacists, they don't, you know, like if they were on fire and they had like a, a fire extinguisher right next to them, they would not put them out. They would not put the fire out. But how dare you talk about leaving our beloved union? It really is something. And in that one um, response to that tweet, I love it. It's like, if you don't like the way we govern, you can leave. And every libertarian has heard them uh, has heard had this said to them if you don't like it you can leave well if i can leave as an individual why can't a state leave if they don't like the way the federal government is governing well I, what i just want to know is why are all of these motherfuckers still here i thought they were all moving to canada when trump got elected yeah like, yeah we're still waiting that was back in like 2017 <laughs> say everybody that's saying that if you want a national divorce you can just leave y'all were the ones who were supposed to leave already this problem never would have already been solved if you'd have just moved to canada like you fucking said you were going to (laughs) yeah and i just i don't understand why they want to force this relationship with people that they we have irreconcilable differences i mean the the right and the left are just never going to agree on major major things you know um that they're never going to agree on abortion on what a man and a woman is (laughs) like these are like fundamental uh ways of viewing the world and there's just i don't understand why why they feel the need to force it force their worldview on people I will say that I don't necessarily think we need a national divorce where we have to split things red and blue and and, and do all that. Uh, states should just be able to secede on their own. You can keep the United States. There's nothing that says it has to be 50 states. It didn't start out as 50 states. And that's the other thing that's so bizarre about this. It's just like they have no problem adding state like they want to add puerto rico now as a state they want to add dc as a state they have no problem with adding territory but taking it away that is just blasphemy can't even discuss it it's treasonous 
And they start quoting all of these, like, like somebody I saw was quoting like Ronald Reagan, like from like the right. And, uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, now do like Thomas Jefferson. What did he say about, about secession? Because the way he viewed this was basically, you know, this is almost like a utilitarian arrangement. If, if this thing works out, that's great. If this provides like the, the best form of um, organizing society and the states are happy with it, that's wonderful. But if the states aren't happy with it and they decided that the federal government has a- abused their power or violated the Constitution, they can walk away whenever they want. Just the, the same way that they decided to enter, they can decide to exit. Seems reasonable to me. I, I don't <clears throat> like I, I don't think the, the red state, blue state separation thing really works anyway. I, you and I did an episode of my show where we kind of talked about like, you know, we broke it down Hunger Games district style and talked about like how the how the country would kind of split itself up in the event of a national divorce type of a thing. And it, like that seems like that would make more sense. And honestly, if you look at like population density maps and stuff like that, like really, uh, unless unless in the event of a national divorce type of a situation, people really started to move a lot. Like it wouldn't even be as clean as like seven or eight different little smaller nations within the United States. It it would ideally it would be just a complete disillusion and. Uh, like geographic areas kind of become their own. I don't know if you want to call it like mega city or something, but like the effectively cities and a large surrounding area would kind of be their thing. And then everything else would kind of be uh, outside of that. Like there's no clean way to split the country up is the, is one of the big problems with the national divorce thing. But uh, I mean, full dissolution and just let everybody kind of return to, uh, Figuring it the fuck out for yourself, that would that would be the ideal thing. I don't I don't know how the red the red state, blue state split really would work, especially with you know, purple states that um that tend to go back and forth. Yeah, there's that. And then like one, you know, eighty to ninety percent of the state is red, and then they just have one or two major blue cities in it. It it yeah, it's sort of like a dumb way of thinking about it, but the instinct is correct the instinct that this is not working nobody is happy we're we're at each other's throats every two to four years why are we why are we going through this who who's benefiting from this the american people certainly aren't it's it's all just these uh, washington politicians and and the politically connected who get to wield the power over everybody yeah it's it's wonderful for them they don't want to lose a state of course not but for that for that state could be the best thing that ever happened to him. You would think that the Democrats would be more supportive of red states disaffiliating from the United States because that would mean that there would be fewer Republican senators and Congress people to uh to oppose all of their shit that they want to do. Yeah. And then they could just then they could just do whatever they want with the <laughs> states that they still control. Like, why do why do you need to why do you need to have control over the states that don't want your your progressive wokeism? Then let those states leave, and then you can do whatever you want and see how it works out. I just don't understand what. And well, of course, they never make any argument. It's all this just you know emotional hyperbole. Oh, 
you know, it's you can't do that. That's blasphemous. That's treasonous. You're going to, you know, we we settled this in the Civil War. I saw somebody else say that this was settled in the Civil War. Your side lost. So you can't secede now. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is the downside to this? From a, from a Democrat's perspective, I mean, they're always talking about how the Republicans, like you said, are holding them back from joining all the other sophisticated democracies throughout the world with tuition-free school and um, infrastructure spending and all this stuff. Like, okay, paid le- paid sick leave and paid family leave and blah, 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 blah. Great. Now you can do that. Now you you get to you get to be in a country with everyone that agrees with you. And everybody that doesn't agree with you, that you despise, that you would that that you absolutely hate, that you think are uh, racist, bigoted, white supremacists that are the scum of the earth, they're going to be in a completely different country now. Technically, probably the same continent, <laughs> maybe right next door, but technically a different company. So you know you don't have to deal with them. It seems like a win-win. I just I don't understand what they why they keep bitching so much about. Not wanting to do it, it's like this flies contrary to everything that would be in your best interest for doing the things that you want to do. You would you would be completely unopposed in doing whatever you want. It's very liberating to sort of free your mind from this idea that we have to have this United States of America, and it has to look exactly the way it looks right now. Unless we want to add to it, we can't subtract. We have the exact dimensions carved out for the for the continental United States. And that's, you know, that's what it's going to be. Nobody can leave. And we have to have this union because it's our it's our strength or something like that. <laughs> OK, I, I don't feel like America's in a very strong, advantageous position these days. We're in debt up to our eyeballs. We are um, overextended militarily. We're spending way too much money in a lot of people's opinions, but of course, not in the in the typical uh, Democrat position. They they're perfectly okay with how much we're spending. They just want it spent on different things. So, I don't know. the The whole thing just doesn't make any sense to somebody who's been red pilled on this. But you have to go back and think about what it's like to be a brainwashed uh, statist. And how you're confined to, you know, the Tom Woods three by five index card of allowable opinion. You're not allowed to talk about a national divorce. And that's what's so like brilliant about that um, analogy that he came up with. And it's on full display right now. All she had to do is say national divorce and everyone is fucking chewing her, her face off. Oh, can't talk about that. Even though it's a completely reasonable position, the argument is far more compelling for it than against it. The, the founding fathers were in favor of it. Um, there's nothing in our documents that say like you can't um, secede. And if you read, you know, if you read what they were talking about at the time, secession was like a completely reasonable option and they reserved the right to do it. And the states gave the, you know, the states created the federal government. It makes sense that if they don't like the arrangement that they got into, that they'd be able to get themselves out of it. Anybody claiming that discussion of national divorce and stuff like this is treasonous clearly has never read the the letter that uh that the founding fathers wrote declaring declaring their treason in that we're we're leaving fuck you 
and yeah. and all of the wording of the of the constitution which makes it very clear that like in the event that this thing becomes what it's become you're supposed to dissolve it the the case for secession is so strong on a number of levels even if the the federal government wasn't completely violating the constitution and every every sense and every single like conceivable way they've over um overstepped their bounds it just isn't working culturally like somebody in san francisco <laughs> has to has to be governed and have the the exact same worldview as somebody in Alabama. I mean, what? It, it, this just doesn't make any sense. These people don't like each other. They have nothing in common. They don't respect each other. They don't want anything to do with each other. And of, of course, they don't want to have the same sort of rep representation from their government officials. So it's never going to work. We've, I think we talked about it on my episode, like, you know, where I live is very different from just literally two and a half hours north of here in indy like if you have that drastic of a you know regional difference over a hundred miles think of how different it is from like you were saying from alabama to san francisco to chicago to like you know but we have to have a one size fits all just stamp of this is the way you, it's the, it. it's the reason that it's the reason that public schooling is failing because they have this like one size fits all. This is the way you do it. And kids are different. Like every kid is different. And every kid learns different. You can't stick every kid in a classroom for six hours a day and expect them to actually get anything out of it, especially with what they're, you know, how can you expect to people who live in Washington, D.C., who have most of them never had a real job or, you know, had to worry about if they're going to pay a bill we are are you going to pay the water bill this month or you're going to pay the electric bill like which is more important for this week until you or you know until you get paid again or like they've never had to worry about any of that stuff uh, they don't they are not the people that they represent and they don't know anything about the people that they represent and the people they represent are vastly different all across like everywhere and but we just have to rely on all of them to agree or to at least have a majority agreement to do things that are going to apply to everybody is fucking insane yeah yeah it, it's all just so ridiculous too when you think about this idea of representation like how a, a handful of people are supposed to represent 350 million people's interest <laughs> just like and um and then you see like you know i, I don't want to get into all the, the stuff going on with like ukraine and russia but like they'll get up there and uh what's the fucking mitch mcconnell will, will be like the like the american people are not are their support for this war is waning and they're not really uh on board with this whole ukraine thing he's like well we're gonna do it anyway because we believe it's important it's like wait a minute. that's not what you're supposed to be doing it's not if you think it's in the best interest then you just get to do this i thought this was a democracy <laughs> you're supposed to be representing the will of the people the people <laughs> but if you go against the will of the the bureaucracy they get the you know they get the final say in things and by the way when they formed the you know the house of representatives and everything the population was so much different like i forget exactly what the numbers were but it was you know like say like one uh representative for every like 30,000 people or something and now it's like one for every like 500,000 people <laughs> just like 
these numbers are just not going to work. It's all so ridiculous. And that was always one of the, the, like the strongest selling points I thought for libertarianism was just like, and especially um, just getting rid of government altogether is like, okay, like if you guys like these ideas, you can go off and do that. Nobody's going to stop you from doing it. Um, At the very least, federalism needs to be the prevalent uh, way of ruling. Like each, each state should be able to more or less rule itself, which is the way that the whole constitution and everything was set up was the states were supposed to be able to do whatever they wanted. And the federal government was just supposed to take care of like national security and dealing with like foreign affairs and stuff like that. It was not supposed to be this monolith that runs every fucking thing for every human being across all 50 states. Like it was just supposed to be like kind of, uh, kind of like the referee. Like it was supposed to sit there and if there were disagreements between the states, between states. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the point of the federal government, not to be the thing that runs everybody's lives for 360 million people. Yep. And so far they're doing a bang up job of it. It's going swimming. (laughs) All right. Um, Speaking of idiots in Washington, D.C., Bernie Sanders has a new book out. Maybe we can get out of here on this. Yeah, yeah. Let's wrap on Bernie because I got to go to work in a little bit. Because uh, not only does he have another book, uh, how many books does he have now? Uh, I wonder how much he got paid for this book deal. He's got more books than he's got houses. I wonder which house he wrote this book from. <laughs> Probably the nice one. <laughs> Oh, wait. <laughs> Aren't all of his houses like million dollar? I think they I think they usually talk about how one of them is like a very uh, modest cabin or something. It's like it's that's still three hundred thousand dollar cabin like that's. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, his new book launches uh, oh, a couple days ago, actually. All right. So it's out. You can read this. It's it's OK to be angry about capitalism. And without having read this book, <laughs> I can tell you that it's uh, every single page of it is complete bullshit. But it reminded me of this. Um, I, I, dude, the hypocrisy here is just so fucking outstanding. It's just so Bernie Sanders. He writes a fucking book. His first book was always about like, you know, how great socialism was or something like that. And he, he's making millions of dollars off of in using capitalism but it's okay to be angry about like what is he so angry about he's crushing it as far as like he found like the biggest loophole in so-called capitalism ever is to work in fucking government and get to like leech off of the american people and use your platform to sell millions of dollars worth of books but it's, it's, yeah. it's insane. He, this is I'm sure. Insane. Yeah, he's donating all the proceeds. It, it should be free. Like, why isn't this book free? He wants everything else to be fucking free. Why do I have to pay for his book? Where's Where's my free education? Educate me, Bernie, for free. How about that? Such a fucking douche. Yeah. Um. He's not donating. He didn't use like the you know the government to distribute the book or anything like that. He, he used a, a capitalist uh, publisher, and he's making a lot of money off of this, none of which will be donated to a charity other than some political motivated charity to help somebody get elected or something like that. That's the only – he's like I one of the stingiest people you. in D.C. And hmm? I would be willing to bet you that he will 
absolutely utilize every tax loophole available to make sure that he only pays the minimum on, on what he profits off of this. Yes, absolutely. And he'll probably he'll probably take some losses, uh, maybe selling stocks or something to offset <laughs> offset these capital gains. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I mean. I'm sure he's very crafty when it comes to uh, saving a, a shekel or two. <clears throat> are you saying you saying uh, there's a certain certain people who are good with money? There certainly seems to be. <laughs> uh, but th this did really remind me, and I keep seeing a lot of this, like especially on Twitter and stuff, like late stage capitalism. Well, this is a late stage capitalism hellhole or something like that that we're living in through like right now. And this is like sort of the collapse that we're seeing. It's not because of government or all of the uh, socialist policies that our government has enacted. No, no, it's late stage capitalism. And this is what we should be angry about. What well, the fuck does that even mean? Like all of human history, at least the, the successful parts of it, have been capitalist like the the only things that aren't are a lot of failed nation states that tried communism or socialism yeah well i think what they're get like the people claiming that this is late stage capitalism are usually younger they're like yeah our age or younger and they're looking around and like how much debt they have to take on to get a degree and they can't find a decent job with that degree. They, they'll never be able to afford a house and they're working at Starbucks. And this is just late stage and healthcare is just like impossibly expensive. So they're retarded and that's late stage capitalism. Yeah. Well, they were they were educated. And I use that term loosely in government schools. The, the government has complete control over education. Yes, there are some private schools that exist. Within this massive government apparatus, by the way, but most of these people are going to government schools. Um, they, you know, the government has complete control over the housing sector. If you're setting interest rates, I mean, that's if you're setting the price of money, you have complete control over every like 50% of every transaction, but particularly when it comes to borrowing money for 30 years to buy a house. Uh, they've done a tremendous job of taking over the healthcare industry. I mean, we had the Affordable Care Act, among other things. They're, everything that they're involved in is what people that are complaining about late-stage capitalism are complaining about. It's like, oh my God, this is, look at this, look at, like, look at this uh, healthcare bill. I was in the hospital for a week and now I owe them like $400,000. Late-stage capitalism. It's like, dude, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have, or the train derailment, late stage capitalism, you know, those corporate, those greedy corporate bastards were trying to save a, a buck or two and they don't care how many lives they destroy or if they destroy the planet, they'll do that because late stage capitalism, this is what it leads to. It's just greedy people run amok. It's, so they're retarded. Yeah. I, of, of course. I mean, they've been completely misled to believe that what we have is capitalism. I mean, if you were to just read the 10 planks of communism, I guarantee you we have at least five or six of them down pat. And like they're the biggest five or six ever, you know, like a central bank, like controlling the interest rate and the money supply. It's and then you look at all these other programs that they're so fond of, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. 
uh, uh, the military industrial comp. None of that is capitalism. That's not capitalism. But it, capitalism what? gets blamed for all these failures of socialism. Well, and the people who are blaming capitalism for all of these, these things, they, they don't know anything. They've never read the Communist Manifesto. They've never actually done any research and looked at what happens in communist and socialist countries. They're, all of their like main big you know talking points of, of these massively successful socialist countries are are you know like the nordic countries that are not at all socialist they're they're actually incredibly capitalistic with uh with a whole lot of immigration restrictions and a they have like a huge social program like that's but it's uh like that stuff is not socialism and it's not communism it's a, a very specific hybrid type of of um, capitalism that only works if everybody participating is completely on on board and like sweden is always a big you know example that they use and sweden is currently in the middle of a full-on implosion because they they brought in like uh, some like hundred a couple hundred thousand um like i want to say syrian and libyan um immigrants like refugees fleeing from wars and stuff sweden has had the most restrictive immigration policy like on the planet for years and years like decades then they just open it up and flood the place and now they're in the middle of like uh massive massive turmoil because they decided to like not do the things that worked for so long like anytime you see actual communist and socialist and like progressive agenda start to be implemented in places that were successful with what they had been doing it always falls apart i mean, fuck venezuela like wh where else do we i think venezuela is one of the prime examples like they were one of the most prosperous countries in the world and then in, uh, they instilled or installed socialism and the whole fucking thing collapsed within what 20 years if 20, even that yeah, long about 20 years yeah well and it's just there's just no appreciation for how you got to this point where you could even consider adopting socialism or communism or or whatever i mean it's all fucking socialism but uh like there's no appreciation for the incredible um achievements of capitalism before we had this huge government apparatus even just in in the u.s i mean when people were living on the equivalent of like a dollar a day and just doing like backbreaking work and, and factory work and all this stuff. And now look at us. <laughs> now look at us. Within a uh, hundred or so years, we, we just had incredible uh, success. We've pulled more people out of poverty than than any other system devised by man. Like you get sick now and you just like go to the well, assuming it's not COVID related, you could just go to like a fucking pharmacy and like pick something up. And and then you're better, you know, or like you need something and you click a couple buttons on Amazon and it shows up at your door that day or the next day. Uh, we're moving stuff across this entire fucking globe and you have a fucking supercomputer in your pocket that you're walking around with. Like there's just no appreciation for this whatsoever. There's no perspective. And the only thing that makes socialism possible is capitalism because at first like before you can just confiscate everything and start distributing it the way you see fit people have to produce stuff first and the only way you're actually going to get people to produce stuff is if it's it's in their best interest to produce it 
And that capitalism is a win-win situation. You know, I don't care how greedy somebody is. I don't care what their motivation was for making this cell phone. Like this is awesome. And I'm more, I'm like more than happy to give them some money in exchange for that. Um, it, the only way that's going to be possible is if you allow people to pursue their, their own interests and the, the less government intervention you have in that arena, the less, uh, government regulation, red tape, taxation, the more people will be able to produce, the more uh, people you'll be able to pull out of poverty. Government is just a, a fucking a, a goddamn parasite. They're, they're like a huge tapeworm that's just eating up everything in the country. Well, speaking yeah. of the uh, successes of capitalism, you should probably give your plugs and let's uh, wrap up because I have to go to work and yeah. make money so that I can contribute oh, to this. No, you're just being exploited by your boss, man. It's just exploiting you. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> we we were talking about my work schedule or me uh, sleeping at work earlier before we started. In the year and a half that I've worked there, I think I've only actually talk, talked to my boss six, seven times. It's <laughs> the beauty of night shift. Like, well, I'll see him in passing every once in a while and he'll be like, hey, you're doing really good. And then he just runs out the door I'm like, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, but see, you're you're just making like some sort of hourly wage, and then his boss is just sitting back, raking in all this money, exploiting people. Late stage capitalism. Late stage capitalism is like supercomputers and like all you can eat buffets and like luxury items, Netflix, all this shit. Like you don't even have to leave your fucking couch for years if you didn't want to, and you can just have stuff brought to you left and right late stage capitalism i'll take that over late stage socialism any day of the week and uh twice on sunday so yeah i uh, i know you gotta go so uh i'll be doing some stuff in the Substack this week and then we're gonna do another live uh live stream on friday yeah i thought the last one went really well yeah i think that was fun we got to figure out how to do like um comments and shit. i couldn't see i didn't think anybody was watching <laughs> And it turns out we did have some people. So I want to be able to like maybe take questions or whatever, do some interaction. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. So we'll be doing another live stream on Friday afternoon. And if you can do all that for us, we will be back with new content for you. Until then, you know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.